and welcome to Table Talk. We're trying something different today. Usually we have a special guest or we meet in a pub and we discuss a topic, but we thought it'd be really fun to actually start to let a previous episode percolate and discuss it a bit further rather than try and cover a new topic. If you haven't listened to it, do because we're going to be discussing it in in this episode it was the success in trapment with will van der hart we had him in a pub in fulham uh, he's a life coach a vicar a set up a charity uh, a mental health charity and he did a whole evening for us on on success and trapment which was which was great and we're going to talk about it in this episode with someone who's there well two people graham you're here aren't you say hello i am here i was definitely there i enjoyed it a lot you were slightly annoyed about the quality of our microphones weren't you you, were, yeah, you came that... away a bit annoyed about that yeah a bit of a bugbear i was listening to it. people the feedback i've had so far has been very gracious and they've said no i didn't even notice will was so oh, great i was just in enthralled by what he was saying <laughs> i mean uh i'm not even lying they did genuinely say that yeah i think i might have to look into some new microphones for us because i was I, I didn't feel like it was fair on will to have a crackle behind all the amazing stuff he was saying and we're joined by karen who very kindly agreed to come and share her reflections karen you were there weren't you uh, on the evening i was and it was a great fun evening karen is a local neighbor business owner how else would you describe yourself karen um mum of three sorry what, you, what business do you run uh we've got some cafes in fulham which i run with my husband we it's a yeah small business we run together great I feel like that's, that's a great business to be in at the moment i'm constantly dotting around cafes and the amount of coffee i drink <laughs> now although decaf at this point but still really uh, if anything my consumption has gone up since going to decaf because i can just interesting drink more. but uh <laughs> i just i seem to spend an inordinate amount of money in cafes so i feel like every time i'm in there i'm like this is this is a great business to be in <laughs> is, is decaf on the rise karen is that a trend i was just thinking I'm, i must check our sales i hadn't noticed that but it may be the case yes and that's you've got it's a good point you probably sell more decafs to people i mean I, yeah. i'm slightly conscious that i hope none of my sort of really proper coffee friends are listening because i used to be a bit of a coffee snob and just have really strong like caffeinated coffee on its own i have gone fully the other way i'm now drinking decaf lattes with oat milk and i'm kind of embarrassed <laughs> to admit it but i love them i love them i can't get enough of them i have like three or four oh, a day well anyway, anyway, sorry jacko move we, us on we we could discuss <laughs> graham's coffee habits with karen but Karen, what, out of interest, what um, piqued your interest in this event, this subject of success entrapment? Well, it was an interesting title. So I thought, well, that does sound like an interesting talk. I did think that it was probably going to be preaching to the converted. I didn't, the talk fell very much within probably what I'd been thinking about success and money. So I think I, I thought I was going to have my own views sort of reassured. And the yeah. last talk I went to was, uh, which was with Tim Farron, was fantastic. Mm. It was a brilliant evening and a really good talk. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I loved him. Thanks. Interesting, Karen. So you say there that you thought you were going to be sort of uh, it was going to be sort of preaching to the choir and you would have some of your thoughts sort of reassured and confirmed. Did you find that in the end? Did it pretty much jive with how you think about it or did it challenge you in any ways? No, I did find that. But I also find living in Fulham is such a sort of rarefied area. You come across and you're rubbing up against maybe the people that are being coached here with who do have enormous amounts of money. But you can also rub up along people who are living quite modest lives I'm in the more modest department. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you just end up being sucked into, you see all this wealth and people living with money. Well, I find that I can start to feel, it just makes you want 
a nicer car when you see everyone driving around in lovely cars. And But I don't actually really believe that. And I sort of know that that's not really going to make any difference. I do know that, but you can lose sight of that when you're seeing a lot of wealth around you all the time. So I had been thinking about that recently, how easy it is to lose sight of probably what your core values are when you're coming up against this a lot. It's, it's an interesting th- um, perspective on film. I think most people know really that money doesn't bring you happiness, essentially. It's only, mm. it, it might make life easier and, you know, all of those things, but essentially you're going to be the same person. I think we do mostly all know that. So, yeah, yeah so but that do you not? Changed. No, I do agree with that, Karen. And I think that's why, for example, I wouldn't call it, well, you could call it, does money buy your happiness? And then everyone just goes, no. But then this idea of success entrapment is slightly more insidious or hard to pin down in the sense that like the questions I loved right were which I can't believe he asked his clients this is like name your number like how Mm. much you want to make and Mm. I actually did that for myself I'm like go on Jack you know like if Will asked me that you know how much you want to make and it is such a tricky question that because you're like oh just a bit more and and it's just like okay well there it is there's a success entrapment you're trapped Um, yeah and that was the bit jack have you seen that film uh you know wall street and then they did a second one have you seen the more recent no i haven't so in that they talk about that a little bit and so that's one of the questions that all these finance guys are asking each other like what's your number what's your number you know and then he talks to one of the real big dogs and he's like what's your number and he just goes more (laughs) <laughs> and, and so you know i think that that was quite interesting but then to your point like it's not it wasn't i i, I was thinking about this a little bit as well it, it was interesting that it wasn't we talked a lot about wealth but i think that was sort of as a result of success i suppose that's yeah. kind of how we equate it in, in some ways yeah. you know in, in society but it, it wasn't you know it's not titled uh the money entrapment it's the success entrapment and i think so it's it's a little bit more kind of nuanced than just can i get loads of money i think mm. there's all this stuff about then can i rise up through the levels can i get promoted can i get to the top and i that for me because i think different people have different drivers i've i've always felt really motivated by trying to kind of you know get to the next level or get a promotion or whatever and it's funny because i still find that motivating but every time i've had a promotion it's been really it's been satisfying for about 20 minutes and then i've sort of started thinking about the next one and I had a really interesting conversation. I heard a guy talking. He was a VP, a very, very senior guy at this company. And he said when he was promoted to VP, he was excited for about 10 minutes. And then he had the anxiety and the stress of thinking, my goodness, what do I need to do now as a VP? Mm. And where do mm. I go from here? And I just find, I mean, it is it is just entrapment, isn't it? You are just in this kind of merry-go-round the whole time of like, okay, I've, I've arrived at what was my destination Within 10 minutes, it's no longer my destination. It's just part of the journey of the stress and anxiety yeah. of more and yeah. more and more. So you can gain I a lot of quite interesting. sort of, you know, satisfaction or job satisfaction, though, through being promoted and being challenged. The entrapment, I sort of interpreted as the impact on the rest of your life, that the parts of your life mm. that might actually be really rewarding but you know time with children time with family your wife husband yes outside of the sort of wanting more and more money there's the consequences or the knock-on effect that um the rest of your life is Mm. what's trapping you thanks karen where would you guys want to push will more on what he said what would be your areas that you might not have agreed with him or 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 wanted to chat more with him about i didn't 
disagree really particularly with anything he said. I thought he was he was really interesting. There, there were lots of interesting points. I think probably where I would diverge would be at one point he was saying, I think he was referring to money as opposed to entrapment, but earning money is, is or humans are all about editing risk. And I would say, you know, editing risk is the human condition, you know, and, and we're always going to be propelled to, to keep accumulating to just make things safer and safer for ourselves. And that's a sort of very primeval instinctual thing. So that's where I would be coming from. And I think mm. I would... I would say that Christianity or the church is part of that. It's, it's editing risk. That, that would be my perspective. Whereas I'd say as an atheist, we're programmed to just keep going and to, mm. to edit risk that way by making money and making ourselves more and more comfortable. That doesn't sound right, actually, because I don't think that atheists are just all out there about earning money. <laughs> <laughs> but it's instinct. I, yes, it's mm. an instinct that we're, you have to maybe overcome, or, but it's a very deep down, you know, it's about looking after your family, isn't it, and making sure everyone's safe. But I would say yeah. that that was I, a human condition. I think that's a really interesting point, Karen, because it's something I think about a lot, particularly when I hear you know, conversations like this. And as a Christian, it's one of the things I find really challenging, actually, because I think if I look at the example of Jesus and a lot of the things in the Bible, and I look at the things that sort of Will was saying during his, um, while he was speaking, it's kind of, it's very much about being self-sacrificial. You know, it's about how can I, you know, look outwardly and think about others more than I'm thinking about myself to some extent. And I find that balance quite challenging. And a lot of the things that I would love to be able to provide, I, I also think as a man, there's an element that just sort of, I naturally feel like I want to be able to do that. And so there's that tension between sort of amassing an amount of money and resources to do that but equally then the tension towards but as a christian i feel that i'm sort of called to give some of that away and i think that what mm. will said that was really interesting that analogy of a, a riverbed versus a lake and saying that if you just accumulate massive amounts of stuff it kind of becomes like the dead sea and it doesn't flow and therefore it becomes stagnant and and sort of nothing grows from it whereas if it's a river and things that's flowing through you to other things then it, it brings life and it brings lots of good things mm. i find that really challenging what are your reflections on that jack i'd be i'd be because i think you're you know with three kids yeah, got, yeah, yeah. you're in a position as well like, yeah, how did but, you think about that where i loved what will said is let, let's see if you know each of us suddenly became like really successful and had loads of money don't think that we'd suddenly behave in a different way he's like all he notices is that the patterns of behavior that you have been exhibiting in your life continue mm. and i found that deeply challenging because well for the reasons you just said graham which is like i, I look at myself and I, say, I call myself a Christian and say, oh, I follow Jesus. And he's like, well, be really generous because that will bring you joy. And also you don't need it because you're going to have everything you need in eternal life. So just be really generous. I'll look after you. That, And it's like, oh, my goodness, I've got no reason not to practice that now. It's not like that kicks in at a certain level. Like you were saying, Graham, like, oh, right. Yeah. Basically, 
what he's really saying is when you're 50 and most of your kids are like through school and you, you feel comfortable because you paid enough your mortgage down da, 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 then basically you can start being like really generous and like that all kicks in then it's like no it's you know what will really challenge the room on is just like don't look at these guys you know who are earning millions and millions in bonuses and think i'll work that out when i get there whatever you're doing now will be how you behave then and that's his observation anyway i think he's well placed to make those observations he's actually meeting with them and talking about it i found that to your point i didn't disagree with him i just Mm. found it i just found it incredibly challenging (laughs) um and i have been thinking about it since i too yes you're fine i was really thinking about that and at what point do yes you there isn't a point you're absolutely right that if you don't have money you're giving something else away you know it could be you know time or it's just being generous isn't it with your generous yeah yeah, exactly that exactly yeah you might not have much money exactly i'm interested did anything sorry karen you just mentioned you're an atheist and i know you've kind of looked into christianity over the years but was there anything particular that you felt like will said or provoked that that changed your view on christianity throughout the evening no i don't think so i thought everything he was saying was very relevant to to my outlook and take on things Mm. i thought there were lots of parallels okay here's where i challenge will i know he's not here the only thing i'd say is i think all the way through the evening i was like all of his principles are heavily borrowed from jesus and the bible like i don't think he said anything that evening that jesus doesn't say which is fine and i'm with you karen i'm not saying he has to bring that into his life coaching sessions but i thought i don't know i was looking for acknowledgement of that at some point just saying yeah i am a life coach in my own right however my material and the basis of a lot of my principles and what i'm teaching these guys like radical generosity like the fact that in every human heart there'll be this temptation to look to money for security but it can't really bring you security you know like he he lent on it so many times throughout the evening he's obviously very professional at being able to speak about this and speak about those principles without having to say oh and that comes from mark chapter four but it was just an observation that i found as i went through this is very biblical in terms of the framework of what he was laying out for money except it's Um, not it's not exclusive to the bible so i think that's what i would argue that they would be principles that i would lead my life by but i haven't been reading the bible i'd say they would sort of just general decent human being principles or, or things that you would have worked out if you're being a decent human being on part of your community. You might be able no, to apply on, those a lot of what he was saying to other religions as well. Uh, yeah, potentially. Uh, the same sorts of things. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're like, look, Christianity doesn't have the monopoly on this. But it is quite distinctive, just to push back, uh, Glenn Scrivener, I was just thinking he, about he that, basically yeah. said, he was just saying, rewind 2,000 years. And you realize like how much now of our culture, you call it basic human being culture, how much of it has been Christianized to the fact that now actually we think generosity is a good thing. It's almost hard to disentangle now the effect that Jesus has had on Mm. even our culture in the UK versus. Mm. So, for example, you go to India and obviously there's a lot of poverty 
and it's not really in the culture to be generous. But 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 it is interesting. You go around the world; it's not taken for granted that what you just said, Karen, radical generosity is at the heart of the culture in the way maybe we do enjoy in the UK. No, that's a good point. And I think the way that Glenn summarised that because his book is called The Air We Breathe. You don't really notice that you're breathing air, and he talks about you know I'm sure you've heard this analogy before, Karen. But he's sort of saying this fish is swimming along, and he sees these two young fish. And he says to the two young fish, oh, how's, how's the water this morning? Or the water's nice this morning, isn't it? And they go, what's water? You know, and he's like, well, you're swimming in it. And I think he was sort of saying that perhaps in, in the West, there's this sense of that it's sort of so much surrounds us that, Karen, what you said there was really interesting, like to just be a decent human being, like these are all things that you would you would do. And I think mm. it was interesting. He was mm. sort of saying, maybe this has molded us in the West to the point where we've almost sort of forgotten that basis of it and it's now just the decent thing to do which i thought was quite interesting but and i've heard some feedback from friends who are they're not christian i suppose they would probably describe themselves as atheists as well and they had a similar view i think you know well this just sort of feels yeah it doesn't feel radical to me it just sort of feels like common sense and just being a decent person really yeah i suppose i'd probably be thinking that there's just not enough evidence from if we go back into prehistory because there's, that would have been a time where yeah. we weren't tainted by our modern civilized culture. And but if we had a sort of hit, proper historical record of prehistory when people were probably leading a lot more untainted is the wrong word, but uh, I suppose straightforward or simpler yeah. life. Yeah, pre-Christian. We would, yeah, pre-Christian. Um, but yeah. we haven't really got any. We have no reliable record of that, so it's yeah. hard to sort of compare. Yeah. Okay, here we go, team. So how would you follow this up? Like, what other episode would you want to do and follow up to this? Or how how would you take this further? Um, have you guys got any ideas? One of the things that did lead me into a conversation with somebody after I was talking about this uh, show, how people treat money in marriage. I've always found that really fascinating mm. because, mm. A, people don't talk about it. But if you do talk about it, there are sort of lots of extraordinary setups that people have. <laughs> but uh, I think it's really um, like I would love the to world of prenups, the <laughs> yeah. world of prenups, yeah. and the joint bank account, the world of like or the secret bank, account, bank account. account. I know a few people yes, with those. Exactly. Yeah. And I know <laughs> someone who would even say that's my partner's house, mm. you know, and like. You know, they're, they're, they're very clear. Though. No, no, that's my partner's house. I'm living in it, but it's their house. So, oh, wow. Like, I would, I would dissect yes, our house. Yeah. You know what I mean, I, I don't, don't even think in those yeah. dimensions. I honestly, I think money cuts so mm. deep um, to your point, Karen, in terms of, yes, our religious views. And I think it's an incredible barometer of, okay, Graham and I call ourselves Christians. Well, how do you treat your money? Because that's probably one of the best indicators of whether you actually believe what you say you do and vice versa you can you could i could say to you as an atheist you'd be like you the way you treat money is probably a good indicator of your you know your atheistic beliefs if i can say it like that is in that or, or whatever we hold true just because it's the easiest litmus yes. test i think to just see it but i definitely think that applies to other areas like your marriage or close relationships or how you deal with money as a family mm. and friends mm. and like 100% I think it permeates so many areas of our lives I think you're right in so many different ways you know uh, how people use it to control yeah. or yeah or to help or yeah it's, it's a it's a it's a fascinating area <laughs> okay I love it great so the 
that we need a punchy episode title for that. I've got a secret account that my <laughs> husband doesn't know. About. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Money and marriage. Have you got a secret bank account? Maybe something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> the other thing that I was that, that I kind of came to me a little bit later was I suddenly realized I was a bit uncomfortable with how naturally and sort of how almost unwittingly we had equated this success and wealth thing because it was all about the success entrapment and yet most of the time we spent talking about wealth and money and what do we do with that as though the two are completely synonymous and I would love to get to have a conversation with someone around this who has been very successful in doing what they do but that it has not necessarily led to a large amount of of money and they've mm. they've been very impactful in the area that they've spent their career or their work on but it hasn't been in monetary terms it has been in something else and see whether like mm. compare and contrast those two things and has it been more satisfying have they got to the end of the journey and thought well gosh what was that all for or you know yeah. has it actually been much more but that was one of his points though, Graham, which I really liked and took away, which is what is your why? Yeah. So don't start a business or organization or research or whatever, unless you're like, you're clear on your why. And I've, I love that because a few times I kind of romanticize about starting up a business. And then if I'm really, if I'm true, you know, if I'm honest with myself, it's like, Jack, well, why do you want to do that? You just want to make more money. And, and he's like, that's a really bad place to start <laughs> with setting up a business because you're not actually one because successful businesses usually have something <laughs> very cool to them they're trying to deliver on and two it leaves you as we've been discussing just quite entrapped by it all because there is no end to that and there is no ta-da i've done it i, I i'm with you Graham. I think I think really that's great. and i think actually this would be a really cool episode to do with people from different perspectives so maybe have an atheist perspective a christian perspective maybe someone from another religion and just talk about how they think about that why because I, that's one of the things that I find most compelling about my Christian faith is that it really helps me with the answer to that particular question. Because I, I struggle a little bit sometimes with feelings of sort of futility or what is this all for? You know, we work so hard. Maybe you make a bit of money and then you spend it on something and you enjoy it for a month. I find all these sorts of things. I struggle a little bit with that sense, but it's my Christian faith that really anchors me on that. And I would love to hear the perspectives mm. from a few other people on that because as i say it's one of the things that's really core to me in my my christian faith that i find it most compelling and sort of anchors me i'd be interested to hear how other people feel about that that don't have that christian faith and what is their why how do they think about feelings of is this all futile is this all where is this going in the end that would be an interesting talk and an interesting episode i have mm. had this conversation quite a few times with christians because obviously i don't have that same anchor but i don't feel mm. unanchored <laughs> i think it sounds quite sort of scary and bleak that i'm living in this sort of my my reality and world that hasn't mm. got any structure like that but it doesn't feel like that don't i guess i just always naturally coalesce back to very similar ideals and ideas that to, to maybe you might mm. but without the anchor of christianity yeah. <laughs> i did wonder i yeah. mean it is a self-selecting group also that um is being coached here because they're yeah. mm. i i think i often think people who make extraordinary wealth it's coming from somewhere, that need, some sort of hole that they've got to keep pouring money into. 
Mm. Uh, so you've already got a group who are slightly unusual, assuming they're not lottery winners. So it's, a, it's quite, you're going to have a sort of cohort of unusual personalities in the first place who've, who've got to that point with extreme wealth. Are you saying that in terms of that might not be the, like the, the most representative it's, Yeah, it's um, quite an extreme end of the scale, this, isn't it? Where most people are somewhere... Yeah broadly in between you yeah. know, extreme poverty and extreme yeah. wealth but that slightly irritated me I, a lot of people said that to me karen and but then i was like yeah but guys that's the whole point take things to extreme because then you see where they end up so i do totally agree with you i think they are self-selecting and i do think there's got to be something slightly different about mm. them that they end up with that much money in their bank account often but i think what was really helpful and i'll go back to it, what will said is like yeah but Guys, just extrapolate the journey, the the flow that you're on with money, and mm. that is where yes, you end up yeah. as well. Don't think they're totally alien. Yes. You would end up whatever your trajectory is. No, You'd that's end very up well made point. Path. Yeah. Um, was... Question, Karen. Oh, yeah, a lady said to me, this was really interesting. She's like, Jack, I quite like you. So she said, look, Jack, people my age are really worried about. She, she was slightly older than me. She was like, it's just worried about my kids getting through i'm over kind of trying to be a multi-millionaire and kind of make it and now i'm into this next phase of just please would my kids not end up with depression anorexia or be deeply unhappy for whatever other reason and she, she was more worried about just like getting through life um rather than the success entrapment i wondered if you could relate to that yeah, as a mum. Like, that's so think, interesting yeah because my kids are older yeah, than yours you know I mean? and mine are uh, all young adults yeah now, they so are they're all sort of yeah and it yes yeah. that is you they're enter all... into another whole well of worry <laughs> at that stage that they are going to launch and their lives are going to to be okay that that is certainly true that is what we're worrying about but again maybe that's the human condition if you're if you're a parent that's where your concerns are going to be the parent yes, that's I thought so there was definitely interesting an episode yes in there we go there's my reflections really helpful, karen thanks guys yeah thanks so much karen uh, for joining great us to chat. Your- that- great to chat